Let's pray together as we hear the word. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 48. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are now witnesses of everything he did in that country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So we ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good to be here on a day such as this. This is the high point for us as Christians. It's not Christmas, even though we get uh, gifts on Christmas. The high point of the Christian year is, of course, Resurrection Sunday, a day that is, in our understanding, significant for various reasons. But this morning, I want to share with you uh, the gift of resurrection to the church. This gift is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit seeks to do something in us that was not possible prior to the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. That is this, that Resurrection Sunday means we can be transformed. We can be changed. That the hope of Jesus Christ is not just that we would be forgiven of our sins, which all of us should say, amen, praise God, and there's some squeakiness happening behind me, but I'm going to assume you are saying amen. But that indeed God's Holy Spirit at work within us seeks to bring about transformation and change then, hence to be a Christian, is not simply then to give God thanks on a day such as this, which we must, but it is also to be open to receiving that which is now given to us as his most precious gift. There are certain things that happens in the life of a Christian that is open to receiving this gift that God gives freely. There are certain signs of transformation that become evident of those who live a resurrection faith. What we once were, we no longer are. And according to Paul, he who has began a good work in us, God is faithful to bring unto completion. To be Christian is to be those who are taken by the fact that God, through Jesus Christ, has made such life possible. And this morning, I want to share with you 
uh, about this idea of transformation. But before I do so, I said to the group this morning that I really struggle sometimes with preaching at Skyview. It's not because you're not nice people. You're nice people, most of you. <laughs> I, sh I shouldn't say what I'm thinking right now, so mute. But when I look at your faces, some of you need resurrection power. Some of you need resurrection joy. Some of you needed to be uplifted this week. Is that true? You know, I'm not asking you to pretend to be what you're not, but sometimes, i got to be honest, it's hard to preach to a group who looks like they ate some sour pudding right before service. So if you can do me a favor, if you can do me a favor, a big favor, to make my preaching go a lot faster, and all God's people says amen, if you could pretend to be happy to be here. By the way, what a great community of faith. God is at work within our church. There's so many exciting things happening. But this morning, I want to encourage you and challenge you to hear what God's word is saying to us. Prior to what has just been read by Mo, so eloquently, so powerful, we have a man who's hungry. <laughs> he's hungry, and as he's pining for something to eat, he falls into a trance, says the scripture. And in this trance, he has a vision. The vision is this, of a tablecloth descending from heaven. Now, if you will, just with me for a second, a man who is hungry inevitably dreams about food. I've had those dreams. I could tell you some of them, only to awaken and realize the steak that I was dreaming about is not really there. I had this thought, Pastor Ryan actually put it in my head. He said, Stu, this morning what you should do is actually kind of set a table for the people to make kind of this, this lesson become real. And I wish I had the time and the energy to do that because it would have really made this whole message a lot more memorable. But I'm going to try my best to describe it to you. This divinely ordained set table descends from heaven and on the table is a meal that Peter would never eat. Peter would never eat the meal because he's a Jew, and Jews, according to Leviticus, could not eat a whole bunch of really good stuff. <laughs> In fact, if you were to study Leviticus, when it talks about the purity laws, and it talks about what could be eaten and what could not be eaten, there's a list of things on there that would surprise you. But Peter, being a devout Jew, remember this, he's a devout Jew, would know that as a Jew, there are these things that he's seeing in his vision he was not supposed to eat. Then comes a voice. We assume from the text that this is God speaking to Peter. And God says to Peter, kill and eat. And Peter responds in the way that Peter does. Nothing unclean has ever come into this mouth. And it says that three times this vision is repeated, and it seems that Peter needs at least three times to get things. Anybody else like Peter? Nothing impure has ever come into this mouth. We understand, of course, for those of us who are biblically literate, and many of us are, that for Peter this was more than just eating food that he didn't like. Refraining from eating this food was a way of him identifying himself as the person that is elected by God. We understand that for him to not eat this food was his way of identifying himself as a true and righteous man. But the vision comes to him and the voice says, kill and eat. 
And while this vision comes to Peter, God gives another man a vision, a dream. Cornelius, he's said to be a Roman centurion, had authority, had power, had servants in his home, as well as his family. And in the vision given to Cornelius, God instructs him to send his servants to this man, Peter, who's staying in Joppa, and to say to Peter, you must come here for God wants you to come and speak to us. And so we have this incredible story of when Peter actually is convinced in the dream that God is leading him into unknown territory. God is taking him into a place he had not been before, and God begins that by changing his diet. I don't know if you understand, I think you do, how significant food is to identity. Many times when we, when we, uh, when I was at a church in Toronto, when, when we had potlucks, it was the funnest ever. Over 40 different people groups, you could get everything from, don't pull up your face now, pig's feet stew, to, I would bring bourrevorce, do you know what bourrevorce is? If you don't know, you haven't tasted heavenly delight as yet, maybe one day Jesus, when you meet him face to face, will serve it. To some spicy food, to some things I've never seen before, but it was all this incredible diverse meals from across the world. And I remember this, people were incredibly proud to give you what they made, to let you taste what they had. It's amazing how identity can be tied into what we eat. And if you visit people, if you ever become a missionary, and I'm calling you out now if you're going to become a missionary, one of the most important things you must learn is to have a generous palate. You must learn to eat food you would never have eaten before. But we know that the story thus far is about more than just food. It is about changing a man's perspective of what was considered to be the way in which God chose people. In fact, I would put it to you this way, that God through this vision is challenging and hoping to transform Peter from his perspective of who God has come to save to open his mind to something that he hadn't considered a possibility before. Now, Peter was raised as a Jew. And as a Jew, he would not only know that these foods were off limit, but he also would know that Jews were not supposed to associate with Gentiles, let alone go into their homes and eat their food. We understand that Peter's reticence is rooted in generations and generations and generations of teaching on what makes you a Jewish person. There is a worldview, a system behind his reference to not eat the food. I want you to, to just kind of think with me for a moment. This is not simply somebody being picky. Have you ever met a picky eater? This is not somebody simply exercising his, his preference for, for beef over pork. This is someone who had been told repeatedly since he was a child that this is what it means to be religious. In order for this to be confronted and overturned, it would require a lot more than just simply someone telling him he can now eat things. 
You see, things that have been carried forward in our life from generation to generation, worldviews that has been established since we were children are not easily toppled. You see, we need, what Peter needed, is a vision from God and the very power of his Holy Spirit sometimes to transform our way of seeing other people. In fact, the role of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts is to enable a man and a woman who would follow Jesus following his ascension to understand that the message of Jesus was not only for them, but was for everyone. And dare I say this to you, had they not waited on the Holy Spirit, I think they would have built the most wonderful worship center in Jerusalem, they would have built those walls a little greater, and they would have stayed right where they were. But the Holy Spirit, since the inception of Acts, is intended to take the message beyond the people to all people. The Holy Spirit is intended to move the message and hope of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem as its center to Judea and to all the ends of the world. I've said this to you before, without the Holy Spirit, I think the disciples would lean into their history, into their prejudice, into their preference and into their comfort. But with the Holy Spirit, God is able to take people, despite what they've been told all their life, and open up possibilities that they had never dreamed of. I wonder sometimes if to be Christian is to be open to the Holy Spirit that is still doing transforming work in the lives of its followers. In fact, I would say this way, if you've arrived, and you have all your theological knots tied up neatly, today Jesus wants to untie them. You see, I think that if I was to preach this very candidly to you, I would say that the person that I am today as I began to follow Jesus many years ago is not the same person in some ways, for God has by His Spirit led me, opened my eyes, and shown me things that I previously not thought was the way he works. You see, I love Peter. Uh, Peter is the kind of guy that makes us all feel better about ourselves. He speaks before he thinks. He's quick to rush to conclusions and quick to offer answers and solutions. Anybody like that here? No, not amongst us. And yet it is God through this vision and the work of the Holy Spirit that transforms a man who believed that only Israel was the elect to now say this. God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. You see, before we label Peter racist, let us be honest with ourselves. That sometimes our perspectives, even our religious ones, can blind us to the work that Jesus wants to do in and through the church. In fact, I am more convinced these days that what the church needs is an encounter from God that so profoundly gives us a vision that goes beyond our comfort. I, I remember once being uh, 
invited to have a meal, and Ruthann was expecting our first child. Hard to believe. Holy smokes. She's taller than a mom today. And it was an immigrant family, and, and I love different foods, and Ruthann was quite sick. Sorry, Ruthie, I should have asked permission. But on Resurrection Sunday, there's forgiveness. And <laughs> Ruthann was expecting our first child, and we went to the home of this family, and, and it was a mom and her son, and, and they didn't have much. They really didn't have much. And she proceeded to bring out some food that I, I, I could see. <laughs> I could see my dear wife starting to pray because let's just say at that particular point in time, she wasn't feeling well at the best of times, let alone trying something new. I remember sitting there and I'm going, I can power through almost anything. I hope you don't think any poor things of me, okay? I can eat, invite me to your house, try your stuff out on me. I'll, I'll, I'll be a willing participant. But I started to pray in that moment. It increased my prayer life in that very moment because I looked at some of the things and I thought, this looks strange. Should I eat this? I, I honestly had that moment and I knew my wife just very politely says, I'm not feeling well. And I wished in that moment that I was pregnant that I could use the same example. I could use the same excuse. I could say, you know, I have a legitimate reason to not eat this. But anyway, I powered through and I know what you're all thinking at this point. I'm going to say, oh, it turned out to taste really well. It did not. It did not. It did not. But I was efficient in my consumption of this meal to which the person responded by bringing out seconds. <laughs> and I remember leaving there, not feeling my best, and yet recognizing how much it meant, how much it meant to her, an immigrant with almost nothing in her pocket at that time, new to this country, having a husband that had just walked out on her, have someone in a house eat what she had prepared with the little she had. And in that very moment, my act of eating the food as hard as it was became a bridge between me and that family that exists to this very day. And I'm thinking of Peter. Peter, a man who goes into a place he was told all his life don't go into. Peter, a man who was said to not eat things he never would eat, enters the home of this centurion Cornelius, and in that home, God brings together the vision he's given him for his kingdom and says, Peter, who you thought were on the outside is on the inside. Those whom you thought you need to bring God to, God has already prepared them for his word. And in the communion of meeting with those people, it says the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they were filled with the same spirit as those Jewish converts in Jerusalem. And I think to myself that the same God who overcame the religious perspective so deeply ingrained within Peter is still the same God who desires to do that for you and me today. I know. I've been here a while now. Stu is hopping up on his soapbox again. Love people. I feel I, I, feel I, I should pause and let you know that, that it takes a lot <laughs> to love people sometimes. It takes a lot to go where God wants us to go. And, and I recognize as a Christian 
that I can make this whole deal of what we do as we worship Sunday after Sunday simply about my reception of the grace of God and my faith, but I would believe when I study the word as it comes to us today that God's Holy Spirit wants to lead his church to places perhaps we would not choose to go. Who are the Cornelius in our lives? Who are the people that we would choose to not associate with? Who are the people that perhaps we need God to help deconstruct our own prejudice and perspectives against? Who are the ones that God is saying to you and me, I want you to go and have a meal with them? Who are the ones that are hard for us to reconcile in our own minds we and our lives could have anything to do with? For Peter, not eating certain foods and not associating with certain people served as the way he defined himself. We so easily can define ourselves without knowing, without much thought, by not who we associate with, but who we do not associate with. That there is something about Jesus that challenges me as a Christian to recognize that he often spent time with people that well-meaning evangelicals in 2018 would say, don't go and hang out with. When I look at the example of Jesus, I see someone who went into the homes of people that others had questions about. In fact, if you're wondering, Jesus so loved people in categories outside of the religious community that they labeled him a sinner. I just want to make the simple point that I think resurrection faith looks like what's happened to Peter. We end up with people we never thought we'd have any association with. We go into places that is sometimes uncomfortable even for us as church people. We're moving into a new facility. Who went on the tour last week? Can you get a... And all of you were impressed, right? I went in there and saw the stage the other day, and, and I was kind of disappointed they didn't put the platform on because I was ready to jump up there and just preach right there. The painter was there. I figured I just need one person, you know? <laughs> I'm not sure he would have appreciated that, but I was ready. I was ready to give it to him, you know. And, and, uh, now, we're going to move into this wonderful facility that's going to give us capacity and ability that we've never had before. I wonder, however, if the temptation is going to be for you and I uh, to kind of make that our Jerusalem, to kind of say, hey, hey, you know, we've, we've made it this far. This is great. This is wonderful. Man, this feels good. Listen, there's, there's a deep, deep need in my own heart just to have my own office. Just got to be honest. I don't know if you know this about me. When I prepare my messages, I actually preach it out loud. It's really weird when Ryan's sitting in the room staring at me, and it's getting a little uncomfortable, to be honest. I'm ready to have my own office, and I'm sure he is too. I walk in on him while he's praying, and I'm like, why do I have to have such a spiritual associate pastor on his knees all the time? Pray, pray. You think I'm kidding. I'm dead serious. 
The, the temptation is moving into this new facility that I, we can make this all about, hey, this, we're happy, right? We go where we need. Our kids are taken care of. We have a nice space. We can worship. You know, we, we don't have to worry about all the things perhaps we worried about before. I, I want you to know, my friends, the place that God has prepared through your generosity and given to us is a gift so that we may give unto others, that we may reach out to others. The gift of the church is a gift to the world. God has called you and me to be led by the Holy Spirit so that the other who he is preparing his people for can receive the same gift that we have been given. And I want to say it to you this way. If we think it's simply about our intellect, our smarts, our strategies, we miss what this Resurrection Sunday text is about. What the church needs is to believe. And I know for our intellectual minds it seems a far stretch, but we have to believe in the gift that has been given. That gift, the Holy Spirit, the very spirit that comes from Christ that enables us to overcome the deep prejudice, the deep issues of our past, the deep ways in which we have been constructed to only see people in a certain lens so that God through his grace and through his mercy can open our eyes to his kingdom and the way he sees others. For God is preparing a people to receive his word. I want you to hear this, and this is going to make you chuckle. It says, right as Peter began preaching, the Holy Spirit fell. I wish it said after he had done that great sermon. After he had impressed them with his great homiletical skills. But it seems to me that Acts is telling us, a, uh, giving us a picture here that, that, that when you start to follow Jesus, you, where you show up, <laughs> where you show up in obedience, there he is. Where you go, when you listen to his voice, and where you end up there, he's already at work. You know, someone said to me earlier, they said we were talking about um, um, different the ways this scripture might apply, and I hope this is not too uncomfortable for you, but, but someone raised this issue of colonialism and said, you know, Stu, so, so how, do we, how do we kind of wrap our minds around the, the Christian way in which, the, the, the colonial way in which Christianity was spread? And, 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 and this is just my thought. I, I just want to be, be, be very sincere with you. I think... There was the misgiving uh, amongst some of those folks spreading Christianity that they were bringing Jesus to others when perhaps uh, God was already at work within people's lives. Did they have to be obedient to his calling? Absolutely, because I believe the scripture affirms this, that God is the God of all creation seeking to restore and to redeem everyone. That neighbor who doesn't know God, God loves him and is working in his life. That colleague who does not have any sense of Christianity and to whom these things may seem peculiar and strange is loved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For God is at work and the church needs to believe that he is working in such a way as to prepare a harvest of people for himself. The question is, will we listen to the Holy Spirit and will we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us? Look, I've said harder things in this church and you've kept me around. I probably shouldn't say that because I'm under review as we speak. The board, <laughs> the board hasn't yet let me know if, I'm, if I have another contract. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, I'm so serious. Please write all, please on my behalf too. Church board at Skyview Church, nothing. I lost my mind because I, or my, not my mind. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I lost the thoughts. But I just wonder, I wonder whether 
whether the opportunities for us is far more than we settle for, not only for ourselves, but for what God wants to do through the church. So, Peter's transformed from a perspective that says only some was elect to saying these words in the King James Version, for those of you old enough, God is no respecter of persons. In the NRSV, God shows no favoritism or partiality. You see, for Peter to say this is huge because all he had believed about who the people of God was was rooted in his narrative and story. It is the Holy Spirit that is operative, not only to filling people with the ability to speak in other tongues, but enabling a reluctant Peter to enter spaces and to eat with people and to preach in places he never would. It is the same Holy Spirit who calls the church to, buy, to bend to the will of God and to follow him wherever he would lead. Listen, I could very easily end there, and perhaps I should. But resurrection faith has implications for us. When I preached on Acts 11, which follows this particular passage, I, I referenced a particular story out of history that I've referenced here before. I believe it was 1829. It was just a wee lad then. <laughs> that the Dutch Reformed Church in the Cape Colony in the Western Cape of South Africa had won to Christ. The wording used hordes of indigenous people. They were winning so many people, they really didn't have space to hold them all. This presented the church board, or the synod as they are called back then, <laughs> with the challenge of what do we do with these new tan-skinned brothers and sisters? They concluded theologically that there is nothing in the Bible that prohibits these men and women from sharing in the Lord's table because they are as legitimately saved as everybody else. Listen to this. But because of the weakness of some, they instructed that all the heathen brethren, and now I quote, would continue to gather in their own space celebrating the Eucharist on their own. You see, the narrative of Acts shows us what happens when the Holy Spirit enables the church to be the church at its best. I want to stress to you, in a culture more and more defined by race, by ethnicity, but in a culture that we are hearing all kinds of rhetoric around the value of people based upon where they are from, I want to speak to the church about the message of the gospel. If not by any other political system, but by the Holy Spirit himself, this kind of reality can be made possible. We would not choose to be a people that is open to all people unless the God of all people grabs a hold of this people. 
we have no right to say anything to our culture about love and grace unless we represent such reality in our daily lives. Would I choose it? No, I like my comfort. I love my Cape Malay chicken curry. What's up with pierogies? <laughs> I just have to be honest. I don't get it. But because I'm a good husband, I eat it. <laughs> if it was just up to me, I would choose differently. But I want you to know, as a Christian, you've made a choice. You've made a choice. You've made a choice to be led by God's Holy Spirit. You've made a choice to be so filled by Him, so dependent on Him, that even if He leads you to discomfort, you'll say yes. Now listen, I'm not here. I'm not here to just make you uncomfortable. Lori said this morning in our group, she says, Oh, Stu, I pray. I asked, what is your prayer this morning, Lori? She says, I pray that in our new building I would be uncomfortable. And at first I thought, I thought, I hope she's not referring to the seats or, or anything like that. And she said, no, Stu, I just kind of sense that it will be easy for us to just choose what we want to choose and just think about us. Listen, my friends, I want to challenge us to the Word of God that we would allow God to give us a vision that extends beyond us for a world that needs Christians to show up. It's only possible by His Spirit. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water of baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. Resurrection Sunday is a reminder that Christ died not only for us, but for all. And Ryan is such a great blessing to me as I was practicing some of my thoughts on him and all the good points I have today is because of him. He reminded me, he said, Stu, but what does this mean for us? You know, what does this mean? You know, you get all hopped up. He didn't use this word, but he was kind of implying it. You get all excited about theology, you know, and, and all that. But what does this mean for us? I, and I said to him, I said, admittedly, you know, I said, you know, I, I guess I refrain in my preaching from trying to tell people what to do because I figure maybe God can do that. But I think today it means this. It means... Searching one's heart in prayer and asking God to reveal to us that perhaps which keeps us from others. Maybe it's a theological perspective that has made you convinced that this is just about you. That my faith exists only to serve my needs. Perhaps it is a a prejudice that has been developed over time. You grew up into it, maybe a family, you had a perspective, that language group, that people group. You know, 
maybe, maybe it's hurt. Maybe someone has hurt you. And so all people like that or who represent that kind of person, someone you hurt, maybe, maybe you, just, you just don't feel comfortable thinking about your faith moving you beyond what you've already discerned it to be. As I close, I wonder if you would pray a daring prayer that God would give you a vision for the life he's called us to live. Maybe for some of us, God needs to open our eyes to people we have ignored, to people we've written off, to people we've said we have nothing to do with them. And perhaps today, some of us will be opening our hearts to the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our daily lives. I'll invite Stephanie to come, and as she leads us, I'm going to invite us to remain seated. And as I pray, I invite you to do the same. Father, this morning I thank you for your word. I recognize that I'm always learning. I thank you that you are gracious and patient with me. And I thank you that as I listen to your voice, as I listen to your leading, I know that you are pleased with me. We confess together the places where we have resisted your Holy Spirit. And we ask your forgiveness for the ways in which we have judged others. Dear God, fill your church with your spirit. That we would be your witnesses, not only in word, but in life for the sake not only of our own salvation, but for the salvation of others. I pray that as we consider this transition into a facility that we have sacrificially given to make a reality, that it is your sacrifice for us that will remind us of the great grace that has changed us and the great grace that is available to others. I pray that if we are daring enough, courageous enough, we would find ourselves in the homes of others whom people don't think we should sit with, eating food that perhaps we never dreamt we would eat, so that when we come into your fellowship and sit at your table, we do so as true daughters and sons of God. He who has begun this work in us is faithful to bring such work unto completion. In Jesus we pray. Amen.